0: Creekside, go ahead and have a seat if you would, please. I want to do a little exercise with you this morning. If you are new to Creekside since we merged over here on July 7th, would you go ahead and put your hands up for me this morning? If you are new to Creekside since July 7th when we moved over here, I just want to say welcome to you, and I want to say welcome to everybody who's here. Whether this is your first Sunday here, At Creekside, or whether you've been here for 60 plus years, I just want to say welcome. And isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen, brother. It is good. It is good. Hey, if you have your bulletins, would you pull this out for me just for a second, please? I want you to open up that bulletin. And I want you to even open up that last flap on this bulletin. I have a feeling that some of you didn't even know that that flap on the bulletin pulled off would everybody at this time actually just pull off that flap on the bulletin pull that off if you would for me that way our visitors don't feel weird if they try to pull that tab off and put it in the offering plate because what we would like to do is if you are a visitor or a guest to creekside this morning we'd like for you to fill that out for us this morning And when the offering goes around a little bit later this morning, we want you to just drop that in the offering for us, offering plate, if you would. Uh, We're not asking you to contribute financially this morning. That's for the regular attenders. That's for the members. But if you would, please fill that out and put that in the offering plate. Uh, We'd like to keep a record of your attendance this morning and pray for you and get in contact with you this week uh, if we could. I have a card that I want to share with you from Misha. I don't know. I don't I didn't see Misha this morning is Misha. okay? Misha's back at UNI, but Misha wrote a card for us uh, for all the prayers. And I want to just read it to you this morning. She wrote to the Saints of Creekside. Thank you so much for all of your prayers and support through all of the chemo treatments while I was in the hospital. Lots of love, Misha. So if we could continue to lift Misha up as as uh, she continues uh, to recover and to, and to heal, that would be, that would be great. I want to just pray for us briefly this morning and then we'll, I'll turn it over to Raleigh for another announcement. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your love, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you are a God who cares about the most intimate details of us and that you are concerned and that you connect with us. We're so grateful for that. Father, may our worship be pleasing to you this morning, may it be sweet may we be edified and come away glorifying you in all that we say, think, and do. And we pray this in your son's name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Raleigh, the floor is yours.
1: The floor is mine. Wonderful.
0: Um,
1: One of my favorite passages in scriptures is is found in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the gifts and services. And And it teaches where Christ and his church our one body, and then it's made up of many different parts. First uh, Corinthians 12 18 says, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Wasn't any mistake about who He put here and uh, what they are to do, just, just as, a, as He meant them to be. This is such an important point to the leadership here at, at uh, Creekside that is, any of you that if you, you have received any of our membership. Information or set through a, a membership class you'll know that, that uh, one of our one of our core values is what we call every member ministry and that 's demonstrated that each person discovering and seeing one's gifts to be served. so we believe that God has gifted each and every one of you here to, to serve in some capacity at this church it's very obvious. Um, you know, as, as we look what's going on here this morning, we see uh, our, our young men that have participated in, in the speaking, bringing forth the word. We got uh, Nick and many others here uh, doing the music. As people we don't see, uh, people uh, in the Sunday school, we got people teaching in Sunday school. We got people as we speak uh, in Haiti uh, serving. Um, during the week, we have this preschool here. So many. Many people are ex- exercising their gift, and, and that's what we want to encourage each and every one of uh, you here to do. So we see this taking, it's taking place every day. Over the last couple months, uh, actually the last five or, or six months, we've had uh, an opportunity for, for people here to exercise their gifts and, and abilities and, and talents to uh, uh, help us uh, get a little further down the road with our acquisition of this building and also the the sale of of a of a property at 6060. I don't want to go into all the details, but it, but it's a situation that that God has has really brought brought for us and, and to us, and that we've been able to take advantage of. Uh, we've had uh, uh, several of our members, a few of our members here, I should say, that were open to uh, to helping out in uh, in respect to the given fields that they have have chosen for occupation, and. Uh, you know, good news is maybe we didn't have to pay these guys, you know, there, there was quite a savings, but they, they, they uh, joined in to help us uh, just uh, re- relentlessly. So, um, we wanna, I want to uh, bring a couple guys up here today to uh, show our appreciation for, for what, they, what they did. You know, I like to call this the miracle at Creekside, you know, to, to do what God has done in the last several months. Uh, for everybody in this group. It's just been an incredible, and if not uh, a miracle, pretty close to it. To it, We've been able to, to uh, see God's direction in this and with the help of, of some uh, particular people here in the congregation. I just want to bring them up this time and, and honor them for, for the help they've been in the acquisition of this building and, and, and the sale of others. So. Uh, first guy, I'll, I'm going to bring them all up here at once and I've got some, some comments about him, but the three guys I want to recognize this morning are, are Vance Hahn, if you'd come on up, Rod Clarkson, and Mike Hirams. I think you're all here. Come on. Vance, get up here. Uh, just a little bit of what they've done. You know, Vance is kind of like our, our uh, uh, like Google Vance. If we have a question, you know, it's, it's like, well, I don't know, ask Vance. He, he'll tell us. Vance, I want to thank you for, for, the, uh, for the direction and, and for the help that you've been. in. Without you, this would have never happened. So your fault or not, no. <laughs> but on behalf of, of Creekside, uh, we have a small token of our appreciation for what for what you've done in this whole process. Thank you, thank you very much. All right, let's give Vance. Up. Well, we'll go next to my far left over here. Uh, this is Rod. For some of you who don't know, he's he's my much older brother. Um, you, you know, you can obviously tell God gave me the good looks and and the personality. He gave Rod the brains, and that's a good thing that that, that uh, we we've had his brains in this. This helping. but Rod's in the real estate business. He's been in there for almost 40 years, or somewhere around 40 years, or 35, 35 years. Uh, you know. Actually, I think it's more than 40, but any, anyhow. Uh, Rod's, uh, Rod's involvement in in, the, in this whole, the real estate aspect of this process. Uh, I, I'll tell you one thing about Rod, he just, if you ever need to know anybody, or need, need somebody for anything, Rod knows it. And, and that, that is actually, His gift in real estate is that if he knows somebody, for instance, we had a building we 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 tried to sell over at 6060 uh, Northwest Beaver. You know, Rod just happens to know somebody wants to buy that thing. That's a big deal. You know, so we want to thank Rod for the hours and hours of phone calls and meetings he dealt he dealt with the sale, with the acquisition, uh, with with the purchase. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost certainly not enough just to say thank you for what he, he did. And uh, uh, let's just give him a hand and a token of our appreciation. Thank you very much. Now, now uh, Mike here, uh, again, he is what I call our, our chief of financial wizardry. He's incredible what he knows. Um, it's been a blessing to work with, with Mike on, on this thing. To to put this group of people together, and to do what they did, would have literally cost us tens of thousands of dollars to get this done. Uh, you know, Rod Rod uh, uh, just uh, didn't ask for any any uh, uh, commission or any any fees that, that normally would would have accomplished been accomplished on a sale like this. Mike the same way. Uh, we'd go in go in meetings with with Mike in the banks. As a matter of fact, the last one we went to was with uh, Community Choice. And Mike creates this document, and it is, I don't know how many pages, of photographs, of tables, of projections. Now, Mike loves doing this stuff, but, but it, it, you know, he is a sick individual, I gotta tell you. But, uh, but just the, the work he did, the, the vice president of the bank takes a look at this document, looks at it, he goes, wow, Mike, you need a job? And this is this is the kind. Just Mike dotted every every I and crossed every T. And and uh, um, but the interesting thing about Mike is he just didn't do it just to get it done. Uh, Mike is a is a man of, of high moral fiber and high credibility. It was not it was not just done haphazardly. It had to be accurate and it had and it had to be God honoring for him to to turn any any documents into the bank and that. That is, that's an incredible feat. So we have a great reputation with the banker. But, um, you know, Mike, for, for all you did, and I, I w- also wanna throw out thank yous to, to the wise, to Leslie, to, to, uh, uh, to uh, what's your name, Carol? <laughs> my, my, and uh, and uh, to, uh, what's your name over there? Uh, uh, Nan. I know, I know Nan, she's in my small group. But thank you all. Let's give these guys one more hand. I thank you for what they did. Oh, Mike, Thank you. Good. Thanks a lot.
2: for being our king, the leader of the angels' armies. God, we thank you for being in control. Teach us to fear your name. God, thank you uh, for just who you are, how majestic and how beautiful you are. God, what, a, what an amazing thing that you've done for us. What an amazing God that we seek to follow. We pray this morning that you would challenge us, you'd encourage us. God, you'd teach us from your word. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. We are going to be in uh, Malachi chapter 2 this morning, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Now, I I don't know what uh, Mike or Vance, what you would make on this type of deal, but I can do commission on about four million dollars worth of real estate, so we are thankful for the time, time and energy those guys put in. Let's give them one more hand. It is kind of a miracle, as Raleigh stated, that God has brought us here and, and kind of worked this out for his good. And so we're excited about it. We're excited about what God is doing here at Creekside, and we're excited about the future here at Creekside. We we are going through the book of Malachi right now. And as I opened up Malachi this week and, and was studying chapter two, you know, I was, I was it was really, okay, I'm excited about this. And we, then all of a sudden you start reading it. It's about priest and dung and all this fun stuff. So this morning we get to talk about Malachi chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. I'm going to read it for you really quick. Here's what it says. It says, and now you priest, this warning is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse you your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to uh, preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble, You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi chapter 2. There are three points I want to make in the book, uh, in the chapter, Malachi chapter 2. Here they are. I'm in this alliteration kick, and I'm sure you can probably tell, all right? Sorry. It's a sickness. I'm sorry. I'll get over it. The failure of the priest, the function of the priest, and the future of the priest. The failure of the priest, the function of the priest, and the future of the priest. What I love about the book of Malachi, and specifically here in chapter 2, is God gives a, a warning to the priest, okay? Now, the priest in, this, in these days, in the Old Testament, they were kind of the leader of God's people, all right? They were the one that instructed the people how to live, instructed the people on what they should be doing, taught the law, and says, you know, here's what you need to be doing, here's why you need to be doing you need to follow God and his law. So the priests were essentially the leader of God's people. They instructed the way in which people should live. The problem is Malachi, the time Malachi comes around, and this is nearly about 100 years after the story of Nehemiah, where God's people had returned to him. God's people are walking with him. God's people have been restored and living as they should be living, following God's law, following his word. But now here, less than 100 years later, the story of Malachi comes around, and God's people no longer following him, no longer pursuing him, no longer obeying his word, and doing the things they've been instructed to do. Not a generation or two has passed, and already they've quit doing. They've, they've no longer returning to God and his word and his law. And so here in Malachi, the book of Malachi, they are challenged. Okay, you know what? You guys are maybe going through the motions, and that's kind of the, the issue here in Malachi. It's not that they're not doing these things, but their heart is in the wrong place. They're bringing sacrifices. We talked about it last week. They're bringing soc- sacrifices. They're bringing offerings. But their heart is in the wrong place. And we know as we read Scripture what God desires, the sacrifices God desires, are those of the heart, a contrite spirit, a broken heart. These are what God requires from us. And so as we look here this morning, the first thing we want to look at is the failure of the priest. The failure of the priest. These are the first few verses, if you would. Here's what they say again. And now, you priest, this warning is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor my name. There are two issues with the priest, okay? Again, the priests are the leaders of God's people. There are two major issues, failures of the priest, and we're going to look at those in a second. But those failures, they stem from this. Go back one verse for me. Because you have not resolved to honor my name. Remember we talked about last week that, okay, we, we've seen failure from the priest, from the leader, and from God's people, okay? The, the issue is, first and foremost, is they don't have a right relationship with God. Their their view of the Father is distorted, right? They don't honor the Father. They don't fear the Father, as in that last song we just sang. They don't have a right relationship with the Father. And because there is not that right relationship with God the Father, their worship reflects that. Their actions reflect it. Okay, they are going through the motions, they are doing the actions they should be doing, but because their relationship with the Father is distorted, is not right, it impacts their worship, it impacts their actions. And so we're going to see these, these failures of the priest, but it begins by this distorted view, by a lack of fear of the Father. See, a, a healthy view of God is going to give us a healthy motivation to follow Him and pursue Him when we have that healthy view of God. And and I mentioned it briefly last week, but the story in Isaiah chapter six, when Isaiah encounters God, all right, and the train of his robe filled the temple, Isaiah was blown away. He realizes how majestic and awesome and powerful our God is. He realizes this, and his response is, woe is me, woe is me, because he realizes who he is compared to a perfect, almighty, and holy God. And his response after realizing who he is, is woe is me, but then it's that healthy motivation. He wants to go out and serve. All right, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. I'll go out. And this is what's lacking for these guys. This is what's lacking in many churches today, is that we don't have this healthy view of God, this healthy fear of God. And a right relationship with the Father is going to change our action, is going to change our worship. It is going to give us a healthy motivation to pursue him and follow him. And these priests and the people of Israel are lacking this at this time. So this message is for the priest. It's for the leaders. Okay, now the priests were the leaders in the Old Testament. These were the people that were leading God's people. And for us, it can be a picture of the leaders in the church today. You don't have to look back very far but there were churches even here in des moines that were thriving churches that were churches that were reaching people with the gospel probably less than 100 years ago but when leadership changes and you have a new leadership that no longer follows the principles in which god has laid out churches fail churches begin to no longer reach people with the message of jesus and that has happened here To the priest and the nation of Israel, and it happens still today. A failure in leadership can can just crush and it can destroy churches. It can destroy God's people, as we see it it did here. So here are the two main failures that we see. Okay, the first one is how they offered sacrifices. In the Old Testament, the priests were in the picture, and and what they would do is they were intercede for God's people. Okay? The people would bring their sacrifices to the priest, and the priest would sacrifice them for the people. And we saw in chapter 1 that they were, they were offering blemished sacrifices. Okay, if you go back and you read the law, you see God said, don't, don't bring me your blemished sacrifices. An unblemished sacrifice is what he required. Yet the priest and also the people were bringing these blemished sacrifices to God. Again, it wasn't that they weren't bringing things to God, but they were bringing their, their sick, they were bringing their kind of their, their runs, whatever it may be, they were bringing the things they didn't want. And so many times we do that in our lives, don't we? We bring the leftovers to God. God, I got a little leftover money, you know, here it is. I got a little leftover time. That's what the people were doing. That's what we saw in, in chapter one of Malachi, that the people were bringing just their leftovers to God. And so the priests are, are warned here because this is what they're doing. says, these sacrifices you bring me, they're no good. They're blemished. They're the leftovers. The second way in which they failed is how they instructed the people. See, the priests were given the responsibility to teach the law. They were responsible for, for, for bringing the Word of God to God's people and instructing them on how they should live, and they were failing to do it. Again, it all stemmed from their relationship with God, but they were failing, failing at how they were doing the sacrifices and failing at bringing and instructing the Word of God to God's people. So that's kind of the first part of this, is is this idea, and you can go to the next verse there. It says, because of you, and here, because of these failures, here was a curse that God was going to put on them, right? Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. See, because they failed, because they failed in their sacrifices and in their instructions to God's people, he was going to rebuke them. He was going to turn from them and their descendants. Okay, not just them, but them and their descendants. And this is awesome. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices. What a great picture, right? I, I wanted to bring, you know, just a bag of poo in today and so kind of give us this picture. I think you would have that. I, I refrain though. But I will smear on your faces the dung of your festival sacrifices. You'll be carried off with it. See, what they would do is when they brought these animal sacrifices, they would disembowel them, okay, and they would get all the innards out of there and all the junk, you know, you understand that. What he's saying, I'm going to send all that stuff, I'm going to smear it on your face, and I'm going to send you on your way. Isn't that a grotesque picture? Wow, what a, what a picture. He's going to smear the dung and all these innards on me because of how they were worshiping him. Well, what a picture. God sending his curse on these people. Verse 4, here's the next verse. It says this, and you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue. Okay, God has given these guys a covenant, and you can read through scripture, and there are several covenants made between God and his people. Okay, God makes a covenant with his people. And one of the covenants is, basically, I have given you the law. I have given you the way in which you should live your life. These are the things in which you should do. And if you do these things, I'm going to give you life. I am going to give you peace. I am going to give you a blessing. The next verse, have you got, you got verse five there? The next verse. Verse five says this, my covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. A covenant of life and and peace. See, when God's people followed him, when God's people obeyed his word, when God's people did the things they were instructed to do, God gave them life and peace and blessing. A picture for us as well. See, the church today, we aren't under this same covenant. The covenant we are under is a new covenant. The New Testament literally means new covenant. Now, because of our relationship with Christ, because of this new covenant we have in Jesus, much the same thing, right? If we are in this covenant, we have life. Jesus offers life, life to the fullest, life abundant, whole life with God. He offers us spiritual blessing in our life if we are in this covenant. But much like The nation of Israel here and the priest, if we are outside this covenant, there's a curse. We are still under the curse. See, if we are not in this covenant, we're under the curse, right? The curse of Adam. Sin has entered the world, and we are still under that curse. And so Jesus, under the new covenant, much the same way we are in a right relationship with God. If we understand and have a relationship and put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus and the finished work of the cross, we're in that new covenant and we experience full life, abundant life, blessing, spiritual blessing from God. And outside of it is the curse. Now the beautiful thing is Jesus has invited us all to know him. Jesus has invited us all to be a part of this new covenant it tells us if we would believe in him it's by grace through faith in jesus not by works not by works but by grace through faith in him we can be a part of this covenant we can be a part and have a relationship with jesus we can be in right standing with the father this is where it begins this true uh, life this full life begins with a right relationship with jesus so the first thing is we look, at, we look at the failures, the failures of the priest. The second thing we want to look at is the function, the function of the priest. And we talked about kind of this covenant. The next verses are going to say this. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips he walked with me in peace and of rightness he turned many from sin for the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the lord almighty and the people seek instruction from his mouth see the role of the priest the function of the priest was 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 simple okay he, he was got they were gods basically they were the a mediator between god and man Okay, the the high priest Aaron, he was the high priest in Numbers chapter 6. He he prays a blessing. He intercedes. A high priest would intercede on behalf of the people. The priests were to be a mediator between God and his people. They were to offer the sacrifices that we talked about. I'm going to throw a few verses up here. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 20. And do with this bowl just as you did with the bowl for the sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the community, and they will be forgiven. Verse 26, he shall burn all the fat on the altar as he burned the fat on the fellowship offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the leader's sins. The last one here, they shall remove all the fat just as the fat is removed from the fellowship offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the lord in this way the priest will make atonement for them and they will be forgiven all of these verses out of leviticus chapter 4 see part of the priest's role is they were to offer these sacrifices to make an atonement for our sin okay we have failed we have fallen and a sacrifice needed to be made and part of the role and the function of the priest was to do exactly that The second part of it was they were to teach the law. They taught the law. Deuteronomy 33.10 says this, He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Okay, Part of what their role was, was they were to teach the people. They were to, to instruct the people on how to live. If you go back to these verses here, Verse 6, can you throw verse 6 up there? It says, True instruction was in his mouth, speaking of the priest, and nothing false was found on his lips. And he walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. Part of this responsibility for the priest was to teach the people how they should live, to instruct them on the way and the things in which they should do. We see in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, They read from the book. This is talking about the priest. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Here's what the priest did. They read from the book of the law, they made it clear, and they gave it meaning so the people could understand. Okay, part of their responsibility was to take it, to instruct it, and make it clear. I love it. I spent some time with a guy by the name of Dwight Knight, who many of you know, and one of the first things he told me, says, Kyle... If you're going to speak, it is a sin to be boring. Many of you think I'm sinning right now. Okay, bear with me when we go through Leviticus and Malachi and things like that. It's a sin to be boring. Boring. See, God's Word is powerful. It is alive. And reading it and teaching it and understanding it should be a powerful thing. It should be a moving thing. Here in Nehemiah chapter 8, I love it. Making it clear and giving meaning so that people understood what was being read. And we see in Nehemiah, the people responded. It was taught to them in a clear way. And then they responded to God. They responded to his word. I love the picture of what a teacher is to be. Okay, A teacher in the Old Testament, a teacher today. That true instruction is on his lips. Right? His teaching is clear. And that true instruction on his lips. We'll also see that... A leader, as was pointed out here in Malachi, what a priest should look like, what a teacher should look like, is one who walked in peace and uprightness, right? It wasn't just that he taught the Word. It wasn't just that he instructed the Word, but his life was also lived those things he said he actually did as well. Isn't that refreshing? Here is a teacher who not only instructed them on the things they should did should do, but he lived it out as well. See, how, how we live our lives, the things we do, the things for me, is, whether it be a teacher or for anybody in the church, how we live our lives, we're either going to impact people for the gospel, or we're going to turn them towards sin and away from the gospel. Look at verse 6 there. It says, I, and turn many away from sin. Part of what a teacher does is turn people from sin. When you instruct people in God's word, when you instruct people in the truth of Scripture, man, we are confronted with sin. We are confronted with things in our life that need to change. They turn from those things. And you contrast it. Verse 8 says this. Can you throw verse 8 up there for me? But here's what these priests were doing. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. Okay, what a priest should look like, what a teacher of the law should look like, what any follower of God should look like are people who turn people from sin. So our action and our word, as we see what a priest is supposed to look like in verse 6 and 7, by our action and our word, people should turn from sin. But what was happening, because they didn't know the law and they didn't really instruct the people on how they should live, they were turning people towards sin and our lives are much like that see when we speak the truth of god's word and when we live out the truth of god's word in our life people can see the gospel people can see the truth they can understand that there is something in your life that they don't have yet when our lives are lived in sin not following god's word not following his instruction we cause other people to sin and go that direction and it's all that much more with a teacher that if someone who teaches the Scripture, someone who teaches the Word, sins, all that much greater responsibility on the teacher, turning people away from God. Titus 2, 7 and 8. Can you throw Titus 2, 7 and 8 subs of this? He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refuse, refute those who oppose it right? Someone who lives by the word, instructs others by the word. Their life is lived out in front of people, not just by word, but by deed and action as well. The last thing we want to look at is that we see here the failures of the priest, and we see also the functions of the priest, the things they are supposed to be doing. The last thing we want to look at is the future of the priest, the future of the priest. See, in the Old Testament, God had designed it That the priests were to lead God's people. They were to instruct people on how they should live. They were to tell people the things they should do. As we saw in Leviticus, they were to offer the sacrifices as an atonement for sin. That all changed when Jesus shows up. See, no longer, because of this new covenant we have, no longer do we have to bring these sacrifices to God. No longer do we have to bring these things to atone for our sin. Because under the new covenant, for those that have believed and put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus, He has made that perfect, unblemished sacrifice for us once and for all. And this is the awesome thing for us. For those that are in Christ Jesus, for those that know Jesus, for those that are under this new covenant, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus has interceded for us. Jesus has gone to the Father. Jesus has been that perfect sacrifice for us. Here's what we want to look at: a couple things. In the New Testament, we see there's clearly no longer the need for priest in the in the sense of leading God's people. Okay? The priests no longer exist. They aren't there. Now the leaders of the church are the elders, the pastors, the teachers, the deacons. These people are the leaders in the church because Jesus has come along. Jesus has been that once and for all sacrifice, that high priest who is eternal. And so there isn't the need for the priest. And the problem is, obviously, there are churches that still have priests. But the problem with that is it minimizes the work of Jesus. See, because if there is a need for a priest to confess our sins, well, what has Jesus done? That's what Jesus has done for us. Once and for all, our sins have been taken care of. You know, there there there's churches that that teach that the bread and the juice become the body and the blood. And there is a priest that oversees that. But but what does that do? It it limits what Jesus has done. It minimizes His finished work on the cross. See, it's taken care of. Jesus has gone to the cross. Jesus has interceded, and all is finished. And Jesus says, it is finished. It is done because of this work of the cross, Jesus, his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. I want to share a few verses here thinking about the future of the priest. First of all, speaking of our high priest Jesus, look at these verses in Hebrews 7.23, 7.23 through 25. It says, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing office. But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. It's done. It's complete. Jesus has interceded. Jesus is the permanent priest, the permanent high priest. There's a story in Genesis about a Melchizedek, and he is the high priest that shows up, okay? He is a priest that shows up, not the high priest. He's a priest that shows up in the picture. We don't see much of him. It's a couple verses, Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And he shows up. Abraham has come along, has saved the people. Melchizedek comes up and basically is thanking Abraham. They have this communication. He is blessing Abraham, and Abraham gives him tenth, tenth of all he has, a tenth. And so here, this picture we get is Melchizedek, not from the line of Levi. See, there's a covenant. We didn't touch on this, but part of the covenant was the tribe of Levi is where the priests were to come from. Well, Melchizedek didn't come from that line. Melchizedek was a king and a priest. Okay, Melchizedek actually means king of righteousness. He came from, he was a king of Salem, which means peace. So he was also the king of peace. And in Psalm 1, do I have Psalm 110 up there? Psalm 110, verse 4, it says this, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus from the line, the order of Melchizedek. He was that kingly priest. Not from the line of Levi, but from the line in the tribe of Judah. A king and a priest. This is who Jesus is. Continues on, the next thing I want to look at is that not only uh, was it permanent, but in the next verse here, can you throw up Hebrews? Uh, Hebrews 9 says this, Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for his own sins and then for the sins of his people. He sacrificed their sins once for all when he offered himself. A permanent priest. Jesus, once and for all offered this sacrifice that Jesus made, this work, this finished work on the cross, covered sin once for all. This is the high priest. This is the work of Jesus. We're going to have an opportunity here, and we're going to continue in worship with the bread and juice, and and the band's going to come back up here, and we're going to remember this finished work on the cross. We're going to remember that unlike the other high priest, Jesus, Jesus covered our sins once and for all. And this finished work on the cross, Jesus has covered it. Jesus, once and for all, that, that, that sin, that atonement, has been made for our sin. This is a beautiful thing that God has done th- for us through his son, Jesus. And we are under a new covenant. I want to read a verse here in 1 Corinthians. Remember that new covenant I mentioned. We are now under it. And it says this in in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to come up, and we're going to take the bread, and we're going to do it in remembrance of him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. See, we are under a new covenant. We are under this new covenant where God has given us his son. That those now who experience this true, full, whole life and blessing from God are those that are in Christ. And those apart from Jesus, and maybe you're here this morning and you have not experienced the forgiving power that God has given us through his son, Jesus. But you can. God offers us that, this new life, this whole life, this full and abundant life through his son, Jesus. And we encourage you and we challenge you, get to know what God has done through his son, Jesus. This new covenant no longer under the law, no no longer under the old way in which we had to bring sacrifices, no longer which we had to go to a priest who would intercede for us, but Jesus has interceded. Jesus has gone before. Jesus' finished work on the cross has paid our debt, has atoned for our sin once and for all. And so this morning... As we take the bread and the juice, we remember this great thing that God has done for us. We remember, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, that we are under a new covenant. No longer work-based, no longer all this list of things we need to do, but through Jesus. Through Jesus alone. The high priest who still intercedes for us. Who still goes to the Father for us. What an awesome thing that God has done to given us this perfect, unblemished sacrifice that we could be made right, that we could be made whole, that we could have a full and abundant life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. God, we thank you for Jesus, his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. God, we we read here in Malachi and we we see this story of the priest and, and we understand, God, that you have said in James that we now are the priest. We are a royal priesthood. God, because Jesus is that mediator between God and man, God, he has paved the way. He has created a way that we can come to you. God, no longer under the old, no longer under the old, but the new. And now us all Those of us that are in Jesus, priest, a royal priesthood. God, we can come to the Father because of Jesus. We can come to the Father through the Son. God, help us to not not take these things lightly. Help us to realize this, this great calling you have on us, this royal priesthood that we are. God, may may you challenge and encourage us to examine our lives this morning as we are challenged here in 1 Corinthians to examine and look at our lives as we remember Jesus through his body that was broken and blood that was shed. God, help us to examine the sin in our own life that we need to confess to you. Help us to examine our worship. And God, help us to look at at Malachi and see these people who were going through the motions. God, who were doing the things you called them to do, their heart wasn't right. God, we know that you seek for us to have a right heart before you. God, if if there's those of us that are in here this morning that need to be broken, God, we, we pray that you would break us of our sin so we would be like Isaiah in your presence and woe is me, a man of unclean lips. God, if we need to see our sin, reveal our sin to us today. God, for for those of us that, that don't know you, that aren't in a right relationship with you, that don't know you as the Father, God, we pray this morning that you would show us our need for Jesus. God, that only through him can we have whole, full, abundant life. Wholeness with you only through your Son. God, we pray that you would challenge us and encourage us wherever we are in our walk with you. Wherever our need is, God, shape us, break us, mold us. Do whatever you need to do. And God, as we examine our life and where we are in our walk with you, God, we want to celebrate your son, Jesus. We want to celebrate this new covenant. A new covenant. No longer the old where we have to follow the rules and the laws, but a new covenant only by your blood. What an awesome thing. God, that you have done for us, given us your son. So now we thank you for Jesus. We remember him in the bread, his body that was broken for us. We remember him in the juice, this blood of the new covenant, an atonement, a sacrifice, an unblemished sacrifice made once and for all, once and for all to cover our sins. God, what an awesome God awesome God that would do this for us we pray and we ask that you would teach us to follow you with all of our being that you would teach us to be motivated by a love for our Savior by a love for Jesus so God as we leave here and as we worship you and as we remember you in the blood and the, ju- or the bread and the juice, God it would motivate us to love you and to serve you we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read uh, one more verse for you. It says this, but, but you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. See, this applies because we, we now are the priest. We now can come to the Father. We can come to the Father. What an awesome thing. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We. We, a people belonging to God. What an awesome truth. A royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to this awesome and majestic and holy God. And here's here's our challenge for us. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. That we may declare this. Our challenge as we go this morning is that we remember this truth that we are a royal priesthood, God's chosen people. And we have been called to declare these truths, to declare the greatness of God. May we do it as we leave here this morning, declare this greatness and this, of this holy and majestic and awesome God that we serve. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have chosen us to be this, this holy nation, this, this royal priesthood. God, challenge, encourage us to go here, to go out and declare your greatness. Declare the things that you have done to lead people everywhere to this devoted relationship with your son, Jesus. God, send us, send us, and may we go declare. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.